Welcome today, Life Church. It's great to see you. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. And if you have your Bible, if you would take it and turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. Luke, chapter 11. I'm going to be in that today. And I kind of hold it open during the course of the message. I'm going to walk you through a few things. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen for those of you that, that don't have one. But we're delighted to have you with us today. And we're continuing our series called Circle Maker. And um, we're talking about the power of prayer when God joins with us, meets with us, and we see miraculous things happen. And uh, I just want to jump right in today because I'm talking about circling. I'm talking about the power of persistent prayer. Uh, sometimes people think, I just pray once. Uh, is there a magic number? Uh, how often do I come before God? What do I do? And so I want to talk about that. How often, how long do you pray for something? And, and, and how does that work? And what does that look like uh, realistically? And so I want to jump right into Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. I want to pick up where we left off last weekend. And um, I think this will, will really be beneficial to you today. Luke chapter 11, verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Look at verse 8. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give you bread because he's your friend. I mean, that's true. But because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. He won't get up because he's your friend, Jesus said, but he will get up because of your boldness. Another word for boldness, or even different translations, translate that word boldness into persistence. I just want you to think about that just for a second. Because of the man's persistence, he will give you as much as is needed. Is that really true? Does that really work? How does that flesh out? I'm so glad you asked that question. Because here's what I, one of, the, one of the things I believe is that all truth is God's truth. Now, I believe the Bible is the inspired and fallible and errant word of God, that it's yes and amen, that whatever's in the scripture that you hold in your hand, that we can go to the Lord at any time, at any day, and God is bound by his word. He's going to keep his promises and his principles intact and working. I also, though, believe, too, that there are things that are truthful that may not be in God's word, i.e., the law of gravity. We know that's true. I don't think anybody would, would, dis, would doubt that. And the older you get, the more gravity kicks in. Amen? All right. So we're at, right? But, and it doesn't, you can't find me a chapter and verse on the law of gravity, but yet we know the law of gravity exists. We know that God spoke this world into existence. So in doing so, laws of gravity, laws of physics, the, the, those, those are real things. So all truth becomes God truth. If it's something that's true, one plus one equals two, then it, it's true. It's period. It's, 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 it, that's just the way it works. And so I don't want you to check your brains out the door when we talk about persistency and the power of prayer. I want to walk through something logically with you, and I want to show you where it comes back to this scripturally, because I want to kind of test the statement that Jesus said. Because of the man's persistency, he'll get what he wants. Not out of friendship, not out of relationship, but out of persistency. Now, if you've read uh, the book Circle Maker that we're kind of highlighting during this month, during this series, uh, Mark Batterson gives a story in there where there were some, some children, American children and some Japanese children of uh, elementary age that, were, that took two sets of standardized testing, and the Japanese children uh, basically performed better than the American children. And at first glance, they thought there might be you know, an intelligence difference, there's just a, a performance difference based on this, but as they went through, they began to realize that the difference between the American children and the Japanese children wasn't so much the, uh, the, the ability as it was the effort. 
that the American children, after nine minutes and point, nine point forty-seven minutes, so nine minutes and 40, 47 seconds, they would stop and just give up or quit and move on. The Japanese children, after thirteen point nine three minutes, forty-seven percent difference. That's when they would stop. As they began to go through the data, they realized that the score difference had little to do with the intelligence difference, but more about the persistent quotient. A guy named Ma- Malcolm Gladwell, who is kind of revered in, in certain uh, secular business circles, has wrote a book called Outliers. And in Outliers, he basically gives a, a precept uh, called the 10,000-hour rule. And the essence of it, from Bill Gates to the Beatles, he basically says this, that if someone, uh, regardless of their endeavor and their, their field of endeavor, if they will give themselves to practice of a particular skill, once they hit a 10,000-hour mark, there is a, a breakthrough, there is, a, to a large extent, a success threshold in which they go through. Now, this isn't just Gladwell's idea. Uh, neurologist Daniel Levinson says this, that the emerging picture from such studies is that the 10,000 hours of practice is required to achieve a level of mastery associated with being a world-class expert in anything. And study after study, composers, basketball players, fictional writers, ice skaters, concert pianists, chess players, master criminals, uh, whatever you have, this number comes up again and again. No one has yet to found a case uh, in which is true in world-class expertise, which is accomplished in less time. It seems that it takes the brain that long to assimilate all that it needs to achieve true mastery. So the ideology here is that if you put your mind to a skill set, fly fishing, (laughs) tennis, uh, barbecuing on the grill in the backyard, holler, whatever it may be, you put yourself to that. Once you get through 10,000 hours of practice in that particular area of endeavor, you will find yourself going through a success threshold, a breakthrough, if you would, to be able to master that, that that's part of what world-class people are able to do. Now, my question to you is this, is prayer any different? Is the power of prayer any different? Some of you that I'm telling you, I'm going to challenge you for a few minutes, but I I think that you're going to find that it's not. I I think prayer is a habit to be cultivated. I think it's a discipline to be developed. I I think it's a skill to be be practiced. Uh, I think, um, and I don't want to reduce prayer to to hard time logged in on a particular pursuit, Um, but if you want to achieve mastery, it may take you 10,000 hours. Prayer is not something that just comes so easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Isn't that what your parents told you? Prayer is true of that, even even in in Christian circles. You know, I gave you a statistic last week. George Barna says that less than 10% of people that are Christians, that call themselves Christ followers, actually pray about life decisions. Jobs, uh, transfers, marriage, finances, major decisions that they make in life. And the reality is, is because prayer takes work. Prayer takes time. Prayer is not something that just happens easily. And many times what we think is, well, I'm going to guess, I'm going to hire the pastor for him to be kind of just throwing up there to God and kind of connect with me for, for me. Or I'm going to have someone in my life that's going to be a prayer warrior that's going to pray for me. And maybe it's a, it's a grandmother or, or maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's someone that you always call and they're kind of a crutch that you lean on because quite frankly, you don't have the time or more, more or less, you don't want to take the time to cultivate this life of prayer. And I just want to say right from the very beginning, I think whether it's 10,000 hours or whatever, I think that there's a mastery level that comes with a, with a prayer walk that can only be developed through time. 
I think there's a, a language with God. I think there's a connection with God. I think there's something that just happens when you're alone with Jesus and you're spending time in prayer at his feet in his presence. I don't think it's something you can microwave. I think it's something you got to crock pot. I don't think it's something that you can just like do it fast. I think it's something that takes time. I think it takes something that takes a certain amount of age to it. It takes a certain amount of, of just giving to it. You, you, you have to learn how to press in, how to persist, how to move forward. And I believe the dreamer, the big, the, the, excuse me, the bigger the dream, the harder that you will have to pray. I just do. I just think there are things that God's put in your heart. There's things that God's put in my heart that are not going to come about because I just prayed for it for six weeks. I, I, I do believe God can do anything he wants to do in the moment and the miraculous. I'm not putting a limit on God. I'm just saying I think there are some things that take a whole nother level of persistency. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about. And, and here's what I want you to know is that, and here's what I know is that circling is persistence. That's what we mean by circling. Circling equals persistence. When, 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 whether you're reading Mark's book on Circle Maker, whether you're talking about this message today, we're talking about persistence in prayer, circling over and over, coming back to it, highlighting it, meditating on it, marinating on it, spending time with it. And I think persistence is the key in a prayer life. I mean, I just think it is. I, I, I just, I think these are things that you have to develop. It's a journey. It's, it's not a destination. It's a process, not so much an event. It's not so much that I'm here every day, but it's over that period of time that I'm spending with God that God begins to show up. It's over this period of time that I learn how to listen to his voice. It's over this. It's like a relationship. The longer that you spend with someone, the more time you spend with someone, the more innate that relationship becomes, the more reflexive that becomes, the more natural it becomes. The shorter the amount of time, the more uncertainty, the more insecurity, and, and the less there is to know. And so, so I, I want to go on, and I want, Jesus doesn't just end with this particular parable. He goes on, and he talks about this a little bit more. If you'll flip a little bit to the right, to Luke tap, chapter 18, he talks about this again. He talks about this power of persistency again. In Luke chapter 18, verse number 1, he gives us further insight to this thing called circling. Jesus told his disciples to show them that they should always pray and not give up. If I'm underlining my Bible, always pray and not give up is something I'm going to highlight. He is, and he's going to show them how to pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. So he's giving you that so that there's no favoritism. There's no backstory. There's no catch-22. This lady doesn't know the judge or have something on the judge. Verse 3, and there was a widow. And a widow in their day and age was, would have been a nobody. Okay, you just would have, been, have had no value. Uh, in, in that town, who kept coming to him with this plea, grant me justice against my adversary. Doesn't say whether she's right or whether she's wrong. Doesn't say whether, whether she, you know, it, it, it just says, here, I, I, I've got this person that continues to attack me. I'm, I'm asking you to, to give me justice in the situation. Verse four, so for some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men. <laughs> this is just one corrupt, crusty old dude, right? Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she eventually won't wear me out with her coming. So Jesus basically says here in verse 1, always pray and not give up. Let me give you a parable, a story with a meaning, and let me illustrate this. He comes back to this point again. It's back to the same thing. Your friend's not going to help you out because he's your friend. He's going to help you out because you won't leave him alone. 
The judge isn't going to help you out because he's godly. The judge isn't going to help you out because he likes you. The judge isn't going to help you out because you're right. The judge is going to help you out because you won't leave him alone. And he comes back to this same ideology that this, this thing about prayer, that when you pray, don't give up. And here's how it's going to feel sometimes. It's going to feel like you're knocking on the door in the middle of the night trying to convince someone against their will to do something to help you. It's going to feel like sometimes when you're praying that you're alone and that you've got adversaries coming against you and that you're going to someone who you have no relationship with, you have no connection with, they don't like you, <laughs> they're, not on your, on your, they're not even a nice person, but yet you keep coming to them. It's going to feel like that sometimes in order for you to get justice. So Jesus said, I want you disciples to understand, pray and don't give up. Pray, don't give up. Pray and don't give up. So what does it mean to circle in prayer? Well, I'm going to give you a couple things that Jesus is talking about here. First of all, it's consistency, being consistent. To be consistent is what it means to, to circle. Verse 3, she kept coming. Again, parable is a story with a meaning. He's giving these examples. He's giving us these characteristics. She keeps coming. Now, my grandmother would call that praying through. How many know what praying through is? You ever heard that term? Okay, some of you do. Some of you have no clue what I'm talking about. This is an old-fashioned term that, that the old saints of the church would talk about this. There's just some things you've got to pray through. What it means is you guys got to be consistent with. You've got to keep coming back to over and over and over and over and over again. Regularly, regularly, regularly. Whatever it takes. It doesn't matter if it takes a day. It doesn't matter if it takes a month, a year, or a lifetime. You just keep on keeping on. You don't quit. You, you don't stop. You just become consistent. The key in being consistent is the question, does the judge know you? See, the judge doesn't care about this widow woman in this parable. The judge doesn't know this widow woman. But because of her consistency, because she keeps coming, she rises to the top of the, of the, of the plate. The question is, does the judge know you? The judge in this story would be, would be representative of who? The person that can answer your needs, which is who? God. It's not important that you know God. Does he know you? See, that, that's the question. Even when we stand before God on the day of judgment. The question isn't, do I know him? Oh, I'll know him. I'll look into his eyes and know him. The question is, does he know me? Because if he knows me, the Bible says he'll call me by name and say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into my kingdom. And the Bible says on that same day, there'll be some that'll go, but God, I cast out devils in your name and I preached to great crowds in your name and I gave a lot of money in your name. And he's gonna say, depart from me, you worker of sin. I don't know you. Does he know you? Do you spend enough time in prayer with God that he knows you? Are you that person that shows up two times a year? <laughs> oh, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. I mean, does he know you? Is there a relationship? Is this like someone that you meet regularly for coffee and you talk about deep things? You know that kind of a friend. Does he know you? Are you someone that constantly comes to him? You're constantly saying, hey, God, hey, God, oh, Lord, are you there? Lord, I know it's the middle of the night. Lord, I know you got a lot of problems, but Lord, could you help me out? Hey, God. Sometimes we think that God gets upset by that. No, 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 no. That's not what Jesus said. Don't quit. Always be persistent. It's your persistence. It's your boldness that will get that. Do you keep coming? Or do you give up after a couple of weeks because it doesn't work out the way you think it should work out? See, I really do believe that. I really do believe there are some things that happen in our lives by just praying through, by persistently working things through. 
there are, there are times in our life where we just have to keep praying, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. I don't feel like it. I want to quit. I want to give up. I don't feel good. I don't want this. I, I, but, but I know I got to have this answer. God, why are you not answering me? Lord, why is this taking so long? What's going on? Is there something wrong with me? I'm going to talk to my friends, but I'm just going to keep coming. I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to keep coming. Persistency. Are you consistent? Or have you asked once and given up? I know a lot of people ask once and give up. So, well, it doesn't work. No, God's not a genie in a bottle. This isn't an ATM machine, right? This isn't an algorithm that you can compute into a computer. Boom, there it spits it out. This takes time. And sometimes the answers to the questions that we have and sometimes the answers to the needs that we have, God wants us to be like that widow woman, woman who keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming and doesn't give up and doesn't give up, doesn't shut up, doesn't put up, doesn't let up. She just keeps coming. Consistent. Second thing it means to pray in circles is to be desperate. Desperate. Verse four, the Bible says, this widow keeps bothering me, he says. Desperate times call for desperate measures, don't they? So sometimes the question is, are you desperate enough? Are you still just worried about what people think about you? This really cracks me up at church. If I can just be honest with you as a pastor, this really cracks me up at church. We're all at church, right? We're all trying to be like good people at church. We're all trying to do all this. We all love Jesus. I mean, some of you don't love Jesus, right? But you're going to get saved. I believe that, right? God's going to help you, right? Even the mean ones here. And it's all going to happen. And, 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 but, but we're all here. But how many times do we sit back and we pull back either in worship we pull back in an altar time where we, we change a place plus change a pace equals change of, 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 of perspective when all of a sudden we say, hey, here's a chance for you to come, but we just sit back because we're worried about what people think about us. We're, we're worried about, how, well, what are they going, but you, you don't understand, that's a business associate, that's a client. You don't understand, I could go to school with them. You don't understand. No, 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 no. Here's the question. The question is, this widow woman, she doesn't care. She just keeps bothering him. She is a nuisance. She just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going and keeps going and doesn't give up and doesn't take no for an answer. And there's some of those things in life, it's just a desperation. Do you, are you desperate for the answer that you need? Because sometimes if you're not desperate, God doesn't show up. Sometimes he waits till you get to your point where you're completely desperate, where you need him and you can't have no for an answer. And just like, just, 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 just like the, the circle maker himself that, that Mark talked about, he drew the circle in the sand and said, I am not leaving from this place until God you open up the heavens and pour out rain and then God it's not for this rain that I have prayed but I pray for a drenching of rain God it's not just a drenching of rain but I now want a downpouring of rain what audacious bold asking of God that's called desperation are you desperate for him Quit playing games with God, this Pollyanna Sunday morning Christianity Sunday school trying to position yourself. Who stinking cares? We would do much ourselves much good if we just live for the audience of one and his name is Jesus. I'm telling you. Because here's the deal is, I'm never going to be good enough. I'm a pastor. 
I'll preach to, to, to all kinds of people this weekend. I'm never going to be perfect all the time. I'm never going to be good enough. To some people, I'm too fat. To some people, I'm too skinny. The very few people, I'm too skinny. To some people, I'm too long. To some people, it's too short. To some people, it's too uneducated. Sorry, this is all I got. I'm educated in Arkansas. To some people, it's this, it's that. I drive too nice. I don't drive nice enough. I go too much. I don't go enough. I'll never make you happy. So why try? You'll never make the world happy. Why try? <laughs> but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added. Yeah, but you don't understand. That doesn't work in the real world. It doesn't? I'm just going to tell you, if I really believe that the Bible that I read and the God that I serve only worked on the weekends, I would be out. Peace out, Girl Scout. I'm gone. Because why do this? No, 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 no. God either works 24-7s open like 7-Eleven or he doesn't work at all. God, God either performs and he works and he moves or not at all. And sometimes what God wants to know is how desperate are you? How much do you need him? How willing are you? Are you willing to pray all night? Are you willing to fast all day? Are you willing to be the first of the church? Do you care what other people think? Or are you desperate to know him? Do you want to know him? Do you want to be with him? That's the question. Mark Batterson in his book says, the viability of our prayers is not contingent on the scrabbling of 26 letters of the alphabet to the right combination like an abracadabra. God already knows the last punctuation mark before we pronounce the first syllable. The viability of our prayers has more to do with the intensity than it does with the vocabulary. And this has been modeled by the Holy Spirit himself who has been intensely and unceasingly interceding for you your entire life, the Bible says. That's the reason why you don't have to have a vocabulary to pray to God. It's not about my words. It's about my heart. It's not about how I put the words together. It's about my heart. You look on the outer appearance. You judge me on the outer appearance. You size me up every weekend. You say whether I did a good job or not. You say whether I'm performing to the leadership mechanisms and spectrums that you have. But the only person that knows my heart is him. And ultimately, the only person I really care about, no disrespect, is him. Desperation. God's not caught up in protocol, folks. He's not concerned about your orthodoxy. He's looking for a holy desperation. And I'm going to tell you this as a church. If we're going to see God do what we want God to do, if we really want to, we really want to change the world, we really want to rock this city, we really want to lift high the name of Jesus, it will have to take a holy desperation to the point that we don't care. We don't care about anybody else or anything else than Christ and him crucified, that we lift high the name of Jesus and that we, that we lift him high because when we do that, he'll draw all men unto him. And, and the third characteristic that Jesus shows us right there is relentless. This lady is relentless. Verse five, he says, she will wear me out. Wear me out is a boxing term, like to go 12 rounds. I mean, I don't want to get caught in the ropes with this woman. She is wearing me down. I'm gonna, I would ask a question right now, how many men have been worn down by a woman, but I won't even go there. See, I didn't even ask that question. I like that. Man, be quiet right now. That, that was just ADD unfiltered, right? You just got that. See, she was relentless. There's, there's two dimensions when it comes to prayer. You have to work like it depends upon you and pray because it depends upon God. Work like it depends upon you, but pray because it depends upon God. Sometimes we ask God to do things for us and we have the ability to do those things. God will not do what you have the ability to do for yourself. Do you understand that, don't you? 
Oh God, I need you to show up and I need you to help me with my bills. Unless you cut up the credit cards and quit swiping your way to happiness, he can't help you. But I, 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 I brought the tithe last week. Well, great. I'm glad for you. That's a good step. But you can't just go live the way you want to live and then just bring the tithe and expect God just to make it all good. Don't check your brains out at the door. Right? That'd be like me going, oh, God, I'm praying you help me lose weight. And I'm at the buffet. <laughs> right? I'm telling you, I'm preaching right where I live. I'm just, there's some point you've got to push away from the table. He's not going to shut your mouth and put the fork down. I've prayed that prayer. I've tried it. It don't work. So I have to work as, as though it depends upon me. Even with this church, I get up, I work, the staff, we work, everything we do, we, we process, we, 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 we train ourselves, we go. Right now I'm working on a master's degree in theology, and, and it's not that I have the time to do it, it's just, it's what I feel like I'm supposed to do in order to fulfill some academic rigors that I feel like God wants me to in the course that I'm on. And so it, right now, it's quite frankly, it's an inconvenience to me. Because the books and the study and the classes and the tests and things that I'm having to do and et cetera, et cetera. But it's part of what I have to do. But I, I, I am working as though everything depends upon me. So I get up every morning. I work. I put my mind to it. I, I learn. I think. I ask questions. I ask tons of questions. And I bring people around me that know more than what I know. Because I'm this not that smart. So I'm just like, hey, guys, I don't understand this. Uh, help me understand this. Talk to me like I'm in the third grade. Just, just bring it down. I'm just it really simple. Help me understand this. But I work, and I work, and I work, and I work, and I work. Why? Because it's just, you know, it's just not just going to happen by itself. But I pray. Because I can spend all my day working. And unless I have bathed that in prayer and given to that God in prayer, it doesn't work. It doesn't matter. Because God's the one that brings the increase. God's the one that, do you, do you understand that? God's the one that's going to bless your business. Yeah, you need to get up and work. Don't ask God to bless your business and don't, don't roll in at 11 o'clock. But at some point, you go, God, here it is. You realize that vocational working predates sin. That God gave Adam a job and a vocation and a purpose in life before sin entered the world. The harshness of working, the working by the spread of your brow, that's a result of sin. But the purpose that you find in working, that's a gift from the Lord. That's how you're wired so you get up every day and you work as unto the Lord and you work hard and you put the time in. And the younger that you are, the more you're going to have to work. And, and, and it should get to a point that as you get older, your wisdom will make up for those, some of your youthful mistakes that, that us guys that are young make. And, and, but the reality is, but you pray every single day, oh God, unless you touch this, it won't work. Unless you bless this, it won't work. God, unless you do this, it won't work. Listen to me. Some of you, the reason why your business aren't being successful because you don't give it to God. It's yours. You're building your kingdom. Instead of saying, Lord, all to Jesus I surrender. See, destiny is not a mystery. For better or for worse, destiny is a result of your daily decisions and, and defining decisions. It's every single day. I love Or Robert said, the harshness about life is that it's so daily. That's what makes life so hard, is that you have to do the same thing over and over and over every day. So how do you practically do this? I just want to spend the last few minutes and talk to you about the practice of how we flesh this out. How do you practically flesh out this, what Jesus is talking about? Well, first of all, circle God's promises. Circle God's promises. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 20 says this. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him the amen is spoken to us by the glory of God, which means they're 
fulfilled in Christ. So whatever promise is in the Bible, whatever God says in the Bible is his word. It's his promise. You can stand on his promise. We lean so heavily on God's word that if it were to move, we would fall. So here's how this works. Lord, you said, whatever the scripture is, and so God, I stand on your word and I claim that promise in my life. Let me show you how this works. You have someone that's sick, sick of body. And so you go and you say, Lord, I stand on your word. Isaiah 55 says that by your stripes we are healed. It's what you did on the crucifixion. I stand on your word, and James says, that there's any sick among us, let us call the elders of the church to, together, anoint them with oil, pray the prayer of faith, and they will be made whole. This is what your word says, God. And, and, and so, Lord, I'm standing here in agreement with my brother or with my sister, and I'm standing in agreement because Matthew 18, 19, and 20 says, where two or more are gathered together in your name, there you are in the midst of them. And if they ask anything according to your will, which we know it's your will to heal because Isaiah said it, James says it, I'm asking you that you heal in the name of Jesus. That's what Moses did. God, I'm to remind you of your word. God, I'm to remind you of your promise. Before you kill these people, I want to tell you one more time, you said. So you go back to what does the word say? And you stand on God's promise. You stand on his word. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God will never return forth void. And what God wants you to do, just like your teenage son or daughter comes to you and says, hey, but dad, you said. You're right, I did, didn't I? God doesn't forget. He wants to know if we remember. You're right, I said that. So here's what we're going to do. Stand on his promises. Now, I understand there are a gazillion promises in God's word, and sometimes finding those are hard. So I have a book that I've had. I have a leather-bound copy. This is, this is paperback called God's Promises for Your Every Need. I got it when I was in, I don't know, I mean, I've had it for forever. And basically what it does is, is what to do if you're experiencing fear. So here's all the scriptures on fear. And what, do you, what happens if you need courage? What if you're in need of peace? Here's all the scriptures. What happens when you hit trouble in your life? I mean, there's just everything. You know, uh, and so what I've done is, um, is go back to this, especially as a young Christian, and go, Lord, you know, right now I need you to be my sufficiency. I, I, God, I need you to be my security. And your word says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3, but the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. God, your word says you will keep me from evil, you will establish me, and that you are faithful. And so I'm believing that you're going to do that for me right now. Does that make sense? And there's power in that. Because you're not praying my words, you're not praying your words, you're reminding God of his words. Circle the promises. You've seen people that they circle their Bible and they highlight their Bible? I do it all the time. Man, my Bible looks like it's a kid. A kid got a hold of it and just has just marks everywhere. Because right? I go back to that. And every time I pray a promise and I'll write it in the little margin and I'll date it right there. Every time I'm reading scripture and something comes alive, I'll do it right there. And I'll just kind of mark that. That's where God mentioned, did that. And guess where God did that. And that, that's where God showed up. So circle the promises. So the, I just had Courtney find me some of these on Amazon. So they're three bucks. If you want one, they were three bucks. You can just pick them up out there. But I'm telling you, especially as a young Christian, dude, it, it, this, this will help you. Some of you, y'all might be embarrassed because I've been in church all my life. I just don't do this. This is a great way of doing this. It's powerful. Walk through to begin to pray that in your life. The second practical way to do this is circle spiritual disciplines. Circle the spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines basically represent practices or activities that give us an opportunity to interact with God. It sounds way more deeply theological than what it is. Spiritual disciplines are things like solitude, just like sometimes being quiet and quieting yourself and just processing the things of God. Daily reading the Bible is a spiritual discipline. Prayer, 
is a spiritual discipline. Journaling or writing your prayers out, your thoughts out, are spiritual disciplines. Uh, reading Christian books can be a, a spiritual discipline. Worship is a spiritual discipline. And one that we've been really highlighting this month has been the power of fasting. And we've been saying, look, fasting is when you push away from the normal activity of eating, typically. You can fast anything, but let's just say it's food. And you take your lunch break, and instead of spending that time hanging out, talking to friends, returning emails, whatever, working, whatever you may be doing, you push away, and you take that half hour or that hour, and you go and you spend it with God. Well, I really can't do that at my desk at the, at the, at the office. No, you, you just go to your car and you sit in your car. And, or, or, you know, you just get away. You just find a place and you do whatever it may be. But you begin to do that. Why is this? Because Mark 9, 29 says that Jesus said unto them, this kind can only come forth but by prayer and fasting. There are some prayers that you pray that are only going to be answered when you combine prayer and fasting together. The spiritual discipline of prayer and the spiritual discipline of fasting. When you push away and you're praying for that. Some of you are praying, you got needs in your family, your kids. You may need to pray and fast. It gets worse. Well, then fast even more. Pray even more. Why? Because that's what the Bible says. Some of you, you're, you're, you're needing employment. Again, it goes back to desperation. You know, if this was all easy, everybody would do it. And uh, you go back and you spend time in prayer and fasting. You, you push away. It's that spiritual discipline of doing that. So that's one of the ways that you circle these, these things in prayer, that you become persistent in prayer, is that you add to this arsenal of just prayer, of doing these spiritual disciplines. And then the last thing, and this doesn't sound real spiritual, but trust me, it's the most spiritual thing you can do. Don't give up. Just don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give up. Journey had it right. Don't stop believing. I mean, I'm just telling you, don't give up. I'm I'm, I'm just telling you, 90% of the battle will be won if you just don't give up. Listen to me. Walking this Christian walk out, this life out is tough. Just don't quit. Marriage is tough. Don't quit. Sometimes doing the right thing is hard. Don't quit. Being single and keeping integrity and character in a world that has none is difficult. Don't quit. Working that job that you feel like you're in the end of the world, but this is where God's called you, don't quit. Being, being, being in a church in a season that's not fun, don't quit. Being, being involved in a, in a friendship to try to help someone out when you're going, oh my goodness, they're driving me nuts, but I feel like I'm supposed to be here to help them, don't quit. Going through those rough patches where you don't feel God. See, we're such emotional people. You don't feel this. And so because you don't feel this, you stop it. And you think there's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. There are seasons of delight with God. There are seasons of desire with God. But there are seasons of desert with God. There are seasons where it doesn't feel like God's speaking because he's not speaking. And he just wants to know, are you still there? Are you still listening? I'm speaking, but are you listening? And the further you go with Jesus, the more you have to tune that in and and focus on that. Don't give up. Galatians 6, 9 says, and do not let us become weary in well-doing. Why would it tell us not to become weary in doing good things? Because you will. Because sometimes doing good is hard. For in due season, we will reap if we faint not or if we don't give up. We live in a highly technical world 
with gadgets and smartphones and, and all types of technology. And everything about the technology makes things faster and easier. And we tend to view spirituality in the same way. We, we, we tend to think that, that that's the way it should work. But almost all spiritual realities in Scripture are not defined in easier or faster. They're defined in this agricultural term of longer and harder. Process. Seed, time, and harvest. Process. We don't like process. I don't like process. I don't like to wait. I've had people ask me about the building at the Germantown campus. Man, are you excited? I'm totally excited. Man, this is great. This is totally great. Why aren't you more excited? Because honestly, I wish that would have happened five years ago. I mean, I've been like, come on, Lord. We got to make this happen. We, I mean, I'm already to the, I'm to the next building. I know that's sad, but it's just, just me. And, and, and the reality is, is that I have to learn how, that there's a time and a process. There's a timing. There's a process to this. And if I won't quit, if I won't give up, if I'll continue to press in, if I'll have a desperation, if I'll be relentless, if I'll just be persistent, I'll get what I want. And I just think 90% of it's just not giving up. We need the patience of a planter. We need the foresight of a farmer. And then we need the mindset of a sower, just not to give up. So here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to close in prayer. And, uh, and then I'm going to, at the end of this prayer on the Germantown campus, I'm going to come back and, and going to give you some instruction. And on the West campus, Danny Phillips is going to give you instruction. And, uh, but I want you just to bow your heads with me. If you just put your stuff up just for a minute and just, just for a minute and, and uh, let's just pray. Father, I just thank you today for your people. I thank you today for your word. I thank you today, Lord, for everything that you've given us. And I just pray, God, in these next few moments that you would show up, that you would let us experience you. God, as we practice your word, I just remind you, Lord, that you're yet in, your, in the Bible, that you're as close as the very mention of your name. You said in your word that we are to cast our cares upon you because you care for us. You said in your word that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. You said in your word, God, that when we come to you, if we would ask persistently and not give up, we'd receive. So that's what we're gonna do today. And I pray your blessing on this time and this response in Jesus' name, amen.